Welcome to Multi-Passionate Artists, featuring conversations with visual and performing artists, along with other creative souls on their journey, process, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Diane Foy. My purpose is to help multi-passionate artists embrace their values, ambitions, and story so that they can slide into the spotlight with the impact and income to match. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Multi-Passionate Artists. I'm so excited about all the upcoming episodes I have in the works for you. Along with interviews with a variety of multi-passionate artists, I'm going to try out a new format with real live coaching sessions. An artist just like you will volunteer to be in the hot seat to be coached to a solution by me. Topics will include how to choose what to focus on when you have so many interests, how to set achievable goals, how to break through creative blocks and limiting beliefs, and how to show up authentically in everything that you do. Of course, PR and marketing strategies will come up. However, I believe that you can't really be successful in promotion without first building a solid foundation with authentic personal branding. Shoot me an email, podcast at dianefoy.com, if you're interested in volunteering to get a coaching session for the show. I want to shout out a new review for the podcast and the first for multi-passionate artists. Rena A.M. says, love this podcast and I'm excited about the new name and focus. I've heard you do too much more often than I can count. Thanks to Diane for not only encouraging us to embrace all parts of ourselves, but to love this parts of ourselves. I can't wait to learn more. Thank you so much, Rena. Today, my guest is Colleen Snell, the artistic director and co-founder of Frog in Hand. She works with a broad range of dance and movement organizations in a variety of roles, including educator, choreographer, collaborator, outside eye, fight director, and performer. Colleen's choreographic tendencies lean towards large-scale ensemble work and stories inspired by science fiction. Her collaborative choreographic process and work is highly regarded, as is her work in improvisational and site-specific production. Colleen devises and performs collaborative work with musicians, spoken word poets, actors, fight directors, and visual and martial artists. She holds a master's degree in dance from England's London Contemporary Dance School and regularly choreographs and dances with a variety of dance theater companies. Colleen frequently acts as fight choreographer with a specialty in site-specific dance-based movement sequences. I'm not sure I totally understand everything that she does, but it our conversation was fascinating, and I hope you enjoy it. So I also want to apologize for my side of the conversation. The sound is horrible. For some reason, it wasn't taking sound from my microphone and was taking from the laptop. 
Well, welcome to the newly rebranded show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so you have a dance theater group in Mississauga, Ontario, is that right? Yeah, that's right. We're right by the lake. We're out in Port Credit, Mississauga. Cool. So as you know, we're focusing on multidisciplinary artists, multi-passionate. We all have a million different creative ideas going on in our head and we want to celebrate that instead of listening to the pick one thing, stick with it, focus, niche, 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 you know? Right. Um, so I think Frog in Hand is pretty much, uh, you know, on the same wavelength of celebrating the many different types of arts and creativity. Yes, we are. Yeah. Frog in Hand started with a cast of frogs performing circus tricks. Um that's the story that we like to tell. That's where our name came from. Um, it's two sisters, myself, Colleen Snell and, and Noelle. And uh, we were playing in the backyard with frogs. I was about one and my sister was five. So from this sort of humble debut um, springs our firm belief that art can happen in humble places, just like our backyard. And so we're now trained professionally. We've come a long way since the Backyard Circus of Frogs. And um, we've worked with many diverse artists and people, dancers, choreographers, musicians, actors, spoken word, poets, uh, designers of all kinds, you know, visual, uh, visual designers, but also sound designers, uh, lighting designers, interactive um, projection designers. Um, and we're still inspired by where we find ourselves because we're still uh, working actively in our home neighborhood and uh, we are ambassadors for the arts here in Mississauga. And I would say we are storytellers above all, above all. So that's kind of where the junction of disciplines um, happens. It's all about telling a good story. Yeah. I think we're all coming from that place when we are, expressing ourselves we're expressing our own story experiences and then when you can collaborate with other artists and get other you know ideas it all just sparks from there so what are some of the productions that you've done and how did that how do all these creative minds come together to form a certain yeah this is a great question so some of the pieces that we have done um, are, the most recent one was called Stories in the Woods. That was a show that we did this August, and it's a science fiction dance theater piece, essentially an outdoor performance that imagines the future of our local neighborhood. And it's inspired by feelings of climate anxiety. You know, when you think about the future and you're not really sure what it holds and right. in terms of what's our environment going to look like in 50 or 100 years from now. And um, things came together in an interesting way because we started crafting creatures and uh, thinking about how they would move and what they would wear. And the multidisciplinary aspect almost became, you could think of it like transdisciplinary because to create one character, we had glowing paint which was activated by black light so there was a lighting element 
in a lot of the costumes, um, but in particular one character. And then how they danced, how they moved, and then the story um, or of their character, how they were acting and how they were dressed. All of this sort of came together. Um, we've also done, we've done a number of science fiction works. We did another piece called Creature, which happened, took place in 2016 in a abandoned warehouse called the Small Arms Inspection Building. And that one was just imagining what happened in the past here. Um, during World War II, that place was a, I guess, a, a, a gun factory, like a, a small arms, meaning they made Lee Enfield rifles. And so we were sort of imagining what would happen if, that, if the past came to life um, and had an impact on present day. We've, we've done performances um, involving 2,000 blocks Little is called block party, little blocks and medium blocks and large blocks that we made ourselves. Um, we've done a piece called Fountain. Fountain was just a straight up dance, but it was in an unusual location. So it was in a fountain, a water fountain um, outside. Happily, it was great weather. So it felt really good to dance in a cold fountain. But we've done all kinds of pieces from sort of uh, jazz. We did a jazz piece once inspired, inspired by Mayor Hazel McCallion. We called it Café Noisette, and that was um, a, a commission from a local festival. So we've done pieces that are um, very abstract and more contemporary. And then we've done pieces that are, I would say, more kind of um, using more mainstream stories and themes and uh and dance movement styles right and are these performances pieces that are they meant for you invite an audience to watch or is it for film or for both well in covid times we have done dance films um and we've made a radio play but most of the pieces that I described, like the 2021 Stories in the Woods was live and outdoors. And we have had pieces that are um, mostly, mostly live um, and intended for general audiences. Some of them are something that would happen at a local festival. So we pop up kind of where, wherever people are. We meet them where they're at. So we will throw together a contemporary dance in a local festival, we've done the Toronto Fringe Festival a number of times. We also self-produce our, our works and we work with um, kind of the local culture division in BIA. We love doing stuff in public places, which means sometimes it's ticketed, but sometimes it's in conjunction with another larger event like the Mississauga Waterfront Festival. So that means that a lot of our shows are low cost or free. Um, and we just really want to make the arts accessible to people. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. And you are a fight director. Yes. Advanced actor combatant. I need to know all about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so, so wonderful you bring that up because I was uh, at the place where I trained earlier today. Um, and so what that means is that I trained as a you could think of it as someone who does fight choreography for film and for stage. So I've trained in a lot of different kinds of movement and weapon forms. So quarterstaff, small sword, long sword, rapier and dagger, which is like two weapons. 
Um, and then things like found weapon and unarmed. So these are, these are just more tools in the toolbox. For me, I got drawn into stage combat because who doesn't like feeling epic, you know? Yeah. And, and um, it's also really fun to, to act. I had done martial arts um, when I was in London, England, and I wanted to continue kind of exploring martial arts as a movement practice. And then stage combat is a hybrid form because it brings martial arts together with acting to tell a story. And it's important to think about your audience in stage combat, right? When you've watched a really great action movie, you know exactly what the characters want and exactly what's happening to them in, in each moment. And usually the fighting happens when words fail. So it's been a really cool way of, you know, expressing myself or finding other ways to tell stories and build characters. And yeah. interestingly... I find that stage combat is also really great. It improves your acting, you know, because you have to find clarity of, of movement and intent and partner somebody. Right. Yeah. And so you, I get how you could probably mix that into your performances, but also have you done um, like work with actors on this on films or stage, things like that? Yeah. So I, I certified with Fight Directors Canada which is a larger umbrella organization. And it is a really, a really broad group of people who do lots of different things. And so I've worked on, for instance, I choreographed Romeo and Juliet, uh, just a very classic sword fight. Um, I've worked with a lot of contemporary dancers who are similar, similar skill set to me, but want to bring fight into their, into their work, it's in particular in site-specific or immersive theater and and I'm really excited I haven't done a lot of film but I would be really interested in branching out from live performance into film and even things like you know the technology is so amazing I would love to in the future do stuff like motion capture although I haven't been able to do that yet I know lots of um, folks in the community are getting into video game work and it's surprisingly a transferable skill you know it has lots of different applications to many different kinds of media yeah, that's really cool. Cool. So how did you get into all this? Uh, you mentioned your sister frog shows. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What direction did that go in? Did you study dance first or what, what was your kind of creativity as a kid? I definitely came into it from a, from a dance perspective. I started training um, in a lot of different styles. Like, you know, Diane, you must have spoken with loads of dancers who started at a competitive dance studio, right? Right. Yeah. So you start out with the jazz tap ballet, which is like the sort of the bread and butter when you when you when you grow up in a suburban neighborhood, the dance studio is what is often what is available. So I began there. And then I started doing more ballet and I got really heavily into that. And then I discovered contemporary dance when I was in high school. And so contemporary dance. I joined um, the Canadian Contemporary Dance Theatre, CCDT, and I used to tour and perform with them at a, at a pretty professional level when I was a young person. And those professional experiences made me want more. So I went to um, Montreal, and that's when I became bilingual. So that was a cool experience, training at L'École de Danse Contemporaine de Montréal, which is called EDCM. Um, and then I went to London, England. So that I got to kind of branch out and go beyond 
first of all, beyond Ontario and then beyond Canada to get a sense of what the what the big world is like out there. Yeah. yeah. And so you master's degree in dance from England's London Contemporary Dance School. What yes. are some of the biggest lessons you've learned and how long was the program? And just tell me about that experience. Yeah, so that was a, the master's degree was in two phases. The first phase was to do a postgraduate diploma, which was kind of like a buffet of classes. There were a couple of, of, you know, pillar courses that everyone had to take. And then you got to select things based on your interest. And so that was a very multidisciplinary program because we were, I, I was able to train in martial arts as part of my course material. So I, I chose Aikido, which is a wonderful Japanese martial art. And that's what started the whole kind of fighting thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to do choreography and lots of different forms of dance that at the time hadn't quite made their way to Canada yet. Things like Gaga technique, which is an improvisational methodology that comes through Israel. And it hadn't, it hadn't really made it to North America, or I should say I hadn't found it in North America yet. And like different kinds of improvisational um, partnering techniques and, and even somatic dance, somatic approaches and stuff like um, um, seeing a lot of work, you know, when you go out and, and you just immerse yourself in, well, when you're in Europe at the time, there was so much cultural mobility that we were able to see as a class, we were able to see, um, you know, dance companies from all over Europe who just didn't really come to Canada. Um, and so just being able to see like the Akram Khan company performing or, um, kind of go to see, um, you know, the, the paintings and, and even the British Museum, like to see these ancient artifacts and those kinds of things. Uh, I think that had an influence on me just because it was really terrific to see stories that are beyond the Canadian stories or cultural experiences and, and, and exchange with colleagues too. You know, it's so much about people. You learn from the teachers, but you also really learn from the people around you. And, yeah. uh, I learned a lot. I, I met people from really all over the world, Greece, Italy. I lived in a household of people who were, each of them was from a different country. And so all languages were being spoken around me. And it was just a very, um, it was a very rich experience, you know? Yeah, that sounds really cool. And how long were you there? I was there for two and a half years. Yeah. And then you came back to Canada, Ontario? I did. I came back to Ontario and I got a really like stable uh, teaching gig over at the Living Arts Centre in Mississauga. Um, and that was the first of a couple of gigs that came together and then Frog in Hand happened. Um, and we just started getting work. I, I came back originally to Canada because I needed to renew my visa. My student visa expired. Right. But when I came back, I got work. And then, you know, London is a super expensive place to live. Yeah. So I ended up staying here because I was, there were lots of things going for it, you know? Yeah. And so then you, what, what inspired you guys to form your own company with the two of you? And was your well, sister also, what was she trained in? So my sister, yeah, she has trained in a lot of different things. She started off. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, another time, another time or, or, or she can come on and talk because her practice is really, really interesting. She started off as a contemporary in contemporary textiles. So that means she trained at Sheridan college and she did things like felting and um, even paper making anything to do with texture, uh, lace work, trying to think of other things that are, are textile related. And from there, she went away to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. So when she was at Sheridan, she really learned how to make things. And when she went to Chicago, they really took that contemporary, that, that textile practice and pushed it. So she was thinking about abstract ideas and how to take the technique that she knew and really make it, push it to make it convey ideas. And then when she started working with Frog in Hand, we didn't go out, we didn't like set out to make a company. We, we started getting work together and it, it, it was such a great vehicle for both of us that, you know, she started making costumes, but she had trained in textiles. She didn't really know at the time how to draft a pattern or, you know, um, do those kinds of specific costume related things. So she went back to school to Fanshawe and that's when she got her technical costume training. So now she knows all about how to galosh shoes and she's been specializing in making hats and um, all of these kinds of cool things that have now brought her into the film industry. So she's now doing, she's with IOTSI, so she's able to work on set and apply her costume knowledge. So she has an independent textile practice. She works with Frog in Hand as our director of visual design. And, you know, she's doing these, still these um, abstract installation projects. Um, so it's lots of different work that she's up to. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. That's what I love is like, there's no need to separate all the different art forms. And, mm -hmm. you know, because magic happens when we all get together and share our unique little, you know, skills that create something amazing. That's yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And how long has Frog in Hand been around? We, well, we established ourselves in 2012, so that's 10 years now almost, wow. but we incorporated as a not-for-profit, so we kind of coalesced into a legal entity in 2016. So it's been a little while now, and uh, it's pretty cool because we're considered established, which is a bit of a <laughs> recent thing, and I'm still not really used to it. Yeah, because yeah. that's another thing with creatives. We have so many ambitions that... You know, we didn't, we were never done. <laughs> right. And it's we're one of those done. things like, I bet you when, when you introduce yourself at a party, it's, it takes a moment, right? Because we are so much more than, we're more than the sum of the parts, right? Like, that's why I love working collaboratively. Because even if, for instance, I'm a dance artist, I might have some ideas about lighting design or about connecting um, lighting to movement. Um, and I feel the same way about the collaborators that as, as people, we have so much to offer. Right. And, and, and it's, it's really exciting when you approach work and even approach conversations, understanding that people are, people are, are whole, right. They're not just like, uh, where they trained or what they specialized in. I think that's a part of it, but you can definitely go beyond that. And that's when it gets exciting, you know? Yeah. How do you introduce yourself at parties? Hey, how's it going? This is so-and-so. Um, what do you do? 
No, I, I, I don't know how to do it because it depends on the party, right? Like if right. it's a dance party, I could say site-specific dance theater and people would understand site-specific means in unusual places like outside of a traditional theater. Right. And dance theater means that we're dancing, but we're telling stories. Right. But sometimes I also like to, to throw in stuff that's about, that's about me, you know, like I, I, I really like exploring flavor, you know, over the pandemic, I was doing lots of cooking and exploring cocktails and flavor really interests me. So that's one of those things where it's kind of good to have the, the personal and the professional in a party setting. I, I go, I go back and forth, right? I think it's one of those things where it really depends on your audience and, and, or, or the person you're meeting, the context. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's good to add in those personality things and having something different instead of, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm this. Right. Anything else you want to share about that? Uh, a friend <laughs> you know, of mine way. recently, a friend of mine recently said, if you ask someone how they are, they tell you what they're doing. And if you ask someone what they're doing, they tell you how they are. Um, and I yeah. think that's very true when it comes to creative people, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm all about um, personal branding, and mm -hmm. that's kind of the direction I'm going in now, because when you are multi-passionate and you have all these different things, you know, people think, society, they're like, uh, you're flaky, you got to pick one thing, um, you're doing so many different things, and, right. and but if you develop your personal brand, it's mm -hmm. all about you. And celebrates all your different interests and passions and skills that you can mm -hmm. kind of go anywhere with it. And putting in right. that personality and making that personal connection of, you know, I always joke that, you know, cats, red wine, and my love of Janet Jackson, they're part of my personal brand. You know? Right. Yes. <laughs> I can go on forever about all my interests and what I actually do for a living, but, you know. Those are those quirky little things, but it's just like cats and wine and Janet Jackson. That's well, I listened. I listened to episode zero of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, and I was really taken by just how many things you are doing as well as a practice, you know, and and all of the the commitment to education and to conversation and to promotion, and I think all of those things are really clearly connected as well, you know, by. It seems by a drive to to meet people, you know, and to support folks. So yeah, in my mind, it's all connected, but it's just mm -hmm. other people that tell you you can't. You right. And uh, yeah, I haven't listened to that in a while. I have to redo it for the new one. And I think oh, yes. I'm just going in that direction of well, don't call me a jack of all trades, master of none, because mm -hmm. I got stuff to back up. My, uh, you know, I was a publicist Absolutely. for 16 years. I was a makeup yeah. artist for 10 plus years. I was a photographer. Yeah. And I, you know, I've done stuff that, you know, back up. And mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm kind of taking all of that in coaching artists of all forms, performers, mm -hmm. dancers, actors, musicians, and painters, and jewelry design. I do that too. And, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, saying, let's celebrate everything that you want to mm. do. And I can help you focus on, because sometimes we have trouble focusing because we like to do so many different things. Um, mm -hmm. So I help 
my clients kind of focus in on, okay, but what are the priority ones now? Let's mm-hmm. build that. And then you can always add in these other things later. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, you, when you speak to a lot of creative people, there is this sense that the more you can do, almost the more marketable you become. Because, you, as an example, being a highly specialized contemporary dance, you know, unless unless you get a really great opportunity to be in a contemporary dance company, um, you know, you you might need a couple other things that that are going to help make the rent. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe I was just brought up in a with an attitude that was like, if you speak multiple languages, if you're interested in lots of different things, if you are able to, you know, um, do lots of different stuff, then you'll, you'll have more opportunities and more doors will open. So I feel like it comes from a place of just being curious about the world, you know, this, this um, multidisciplinary attitude, but then you have this other side that sort of says, and isn't that pragmatic too, (laughs) you know, like it has a kind of marketability or, or, professional outcomes that are also really positive yeah and I found even like my many years as a publicist I think about the media too and I just got tired of okay here's yet another singer songwriter musician she does this kind of music and she was born here and you know it's like okay it's boring (laughs) right Um, let's bring in all what what else do you do what else are you interested in and sometimes when i ask them these things then uh, you buried at the bottom of the bio is something that's really cool that i think you know media would be interested and i'm like let's put that right up the front right (laughs) but you've been trained so much to just you know focus your bio on that one thing and Mm -hmm. but it's all the other things that make you stand out and make you unique from mm-hmm. the many other singer-songers, many other dancers, many other actors, you know, you have to kind of bring in what makes you unique. So I think it's right. exciting and inspiring. I'm yeah. curious about one thing. Do you know mm-hmm. there's a million different words for multi-passionate? <laughs> like I use <gasps> multi-passionate. Um, and I, I do find some visual artists and I guess dance as well. You use multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, multi-hyphenate, and then there's polymath <laughs> and renaissance soul. And, you know, which one do you identify the most with and why? That's such a good question. I feel as though I, I find it difficult to say that I am a multidisciplinary artist, even though on paper I kind of am. Right. Um, because so much of what I do is about collaboration. So I might not be an expert in all of these disciplines, but there are experts in the team that I brought together right. who are, you know, um, al- although I'm, I'm certainly capable of doing more than one thing and have been for a while. So I guess um, sometimes the word multidisciplinary works to describe my practice and collaborative works to describe my person, if that makes sense. Right, right. Yeah. And then sometimes I think multi-passionate, just sometimes people take that as you're interested in a lot of things, but you're not actually good at any of them. 
So there's well, that I think just just saying that you're curious, you know, I think yeah. that, you know, being uh, interested often makes people interesting, too, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's interesting when I read about polymath, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, and the difference with that is, I think that's a little bit what I am is that Mm -hmm. I have specialized in things for a long time. So I'm like a serial specialist. (laughs) And then now I'm embracing it all, putting it into kind of one career. But, um, you know, I was serial specialist. So it's not like I changed careers every year. It was more 5, 10, 15 years. Right. Um, So that was interesting. Polymath and then Renaissance Soul. I like those. I like those. See, and I know there are folks that I work with who work in also different kinds of disciplines, yeah. um, like often remarkably different disciplines. So on Stories in the Woods, we had two um, aspiring and practicing arts therapists who work in different kinds of arts for healing purposes. Ooh, I want to um, do that too. <laughs> we have someone who is a, a an actor, but also a, a personal trainer professionally. We we also had have worked frequently with a dancer who's also a, a, a professional scientist. Um, so having people on the team who do lots of different things just makes the work more interesting. Um, I think. Yeah. And then and then engages people in different ways, right? And they're always going to think of things that you never thought of (laughs) so and that goes to diversity too right like having folks who come from many different backgrounds um that always makes the piece stronger and the collaboration deeper because it just sort of enriches everything um because mississauga is also a very diverse community so i think it's important as well that people can see themselves in the work and that's another kind of aspect or side to the collaborative practice right and i think it's important like you know when you travel (laughs) remember that (laughs) that was a thing we used to do (laughs) and it's like when you go somewhere when you don't where you don't speak the language or you don't really know what's on the menu kind of just being open to experience i think that's sort of like a useful a useful thing that you can bring into artistic creation too because that way you're like willing to try stuff out, you yeah. know, without, without necessarily having an outcome in mind from the start. So kind of going at things with a playful attitude. It's like when you think of, yeah, when, when children play too, there's this um, wonderful imaginative quality to it. And, and, and I think, I think when you have that, literally that sandbox in front of you and you have lots of people making stuff, um, that's, that's the best environment for work, right? Like just the playful, open, inspired, collaborative, multidisciplinary, diverse, <laughs> right? Like those are all yeah. words also that I love to throw into the, and, and I had never heard this multi-passionate word, but I really, really love it. I think that a lot of people would, a lot of people would want to add that to their list, you know, of descriptors because gone are the days when you could be in a, working for a single company for 50 years. Those were kind of my grandparents. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that the gig economy is really kind of where we're at right now, where multiple people need, you know, many people need to do multiple jobs in order to make things work, but also because that's, they have so many distinctive interests. 
So I think that it's a useful thing to celebrate, but it's also kind of where, where we're at. And, and there are pros and cons to the gig economy, sort of take it or leave it. But I do think that um, that's one of the things that the pandemic has taught us in terms of resiliency. In order to be resilient, we do need to be able to celebrate maybe those other aspects of self or those other things that maybe we we weren't really focused on before that that can be really like for instance um as a dancer i got an opportunity to work as a voice actor on on frog and hands um radio play it's called war of the worlds reimagined and this, that's the first time i've ever written a radio play and it's the first time i've ever done any voice acting and we were we were recording this um, in our own little closets, because that's where your sound is supposed to be the best, you know, in a soundproofed environment. And going from being present and dancing in front of people live to people can't even see my face anymore and I'm, I'm acting just my voice. That's so different. But we, yeah. we did it somehow, right? And, and that learning, it's, it has at times been empowering, right? Because it's like, well, I, I can't do that so... I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try something new. Um, so I think there are many good things about trying trying something new, you know? Yeah. I think those are the artists that have survived and thrived during COVID um, and the pandemic is because I think we're used to change. We're used to, oh, right. we can't do that anymore? Okay, let's figure something else out. Yeah. <laughs> didn't get the grant or you didn't get the venue yeah. or you, you know, didn't get the rights to that play or what have you. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of, of, we live in a, I mean, art, artists live in a very fluid and changeable kind of situation anyway. Yeah. 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 So what have you yet to accomplish? What are your future dreams and goals and what's next? Well, um, so many things, really so many things on many different levels. I would love to see Frog in Hand grow as an organization. So that means in terms of capacity, just like a business, right? Having more employees, being able to offer people a really nice, stable job that's like year long. Um, that's, that's one of my ambitions. I would also really love to see us grow so that, you know, these big companies like Sleep No More, they have a show that's just running all year round. Right. I would like to get to, get to, I mean, I aspire to have a show that can run for a whole month because lots of dance artists will know that that's not something that we get to do very much. Right. Our last Stories in the Woods sold out and had a wait list. And, you know, people were actually really encouraging. They're like, we want more. So hopefully we can bring that back. Hopefully we can have it run for a whole month because that would be a really great learning experience. Yeah. Just kind of increasing, increasing the scope and the scale because we already have ambition in terms of our artistic gestures, yeah. you know? So it's really getting the, the means to be able to produce those things. And um, of course, I hope to be able to go, to continue to go into the, the, the next few months with the empathy and the listening that I, I, I think is necessary for the future. You know, we are coming out of such a hard time, not only from the pandemic point of view, but also a lot of us are more aware than ever of systemic inequities and barriers and um, 
I, I hope as a, as a human being, but also as the artistic director of a company that our company, like that frog in hand can, um, continue to be a welcoming and inclusive place that can support and nurture and, and, you know, amplify diverse artists. I think that's something that I, I also aspire to, um, for the next, next little while. Oh, I mean, forever, but especially for the next few months with the, the pandemic kind of things opening up a little bit, I think yeah. we really need to, to focus on, on that. Yeah. Yeah. More, more than ever. Every, I always say that artists can change lives with their talent and everyone has a different like viewpoint, you know, how you were saying, like when you work with people from all over the world and everyone mm-hmm. sees things a little bit differently, I think that's just magic. It, it really, it really is. And I think that the arts have such capacity for healing um, and that they, they really are a powerful tool. They're a force for good. And, you know, I just want to keep making cool stuff. I know that that can sound a little bit um, silly, but that's really why I do this. You know, that's why I've always done it. Even even when I was a kid putting on shows in my backyard, like it always comes from this just this drive to to have fun, to to tell stories, to um, to make things that bring people together. And um, I. I was speaking to my, my dad a little while ago, you know, and we were saying kind of, well, why do you do what you do? And I think it does come down to, well, both of us agreed and, and, and he, I credit him with this idea. It comes down to kind of offering an experience, you know, the arts can offer an experience because you can go and buy a product, but when you spend your time with someone, you know, that's really meaningful. So. When I think back to a lot of the wonderful times I've had with friends and those, those connections are often connect, like related to a moment in time where, where we were together, we were doing something, you know? Yeah. So being able to offer experiences and I think, I think that's what like live performance in the arts is, is about. But also when you go to a class, you know, like when you go to a dance class, you can feel really connected to the people around you. Um, when you're learning the routine, or you're, you're, you're suggesting your creative ideas. It's kind of like being, being together is really important. Um, so that's another thing I think the arts can offer. Experiences. There you go. Well, yeah. I usually ask, what is your why? But you just knew. I was I, <laughs> yeah. answered it. Wonderful. I did. <laughs> I did. So where can people find you and frog in hand online well there are a number of different places so frog in hand has a link tree and um that's a really great place to find everything that we do but we are we're at froginhand.com you can look for frog in hand on coffee that's k-o-f-i to listen to the war of the world's radio play that I was describing. You just go to our shop and, and it's going to be up there. You, you pay 10 bucks and you can listen as many times as you want um, to, to war of the world's reimagined. And then we're on Instagram. We're at frog in hand. And that's a, that's a cool place to find us actually, because if you go to Instagram and you see the link in our bio, that's our, that's our link tree because we're doing different classes and things as well. 
in person and online. Um, because the, the mandate of frog in hand is to create, to perform and to teach. So we have different kinds of learning, learning things on online all on YouTube too. We have a bunch of free content. So there are lots of ways. (laughs) Diane, there are so many ways people can can follow up with us That's yeah cool because the audience <laughs> of this show or at least it was until now um is very international so oh, cool definitely there's gonna be like a lot more americans and indians and uh europe <laughs> listen more yes. than in canada so um that'll be cool to check out the online content that you guys are offering up absolutely yeah cool well thank you so much it was great ch- chatting with you Really appreciate the opportunity and I wish you all the best as you clearly are pursuing your own creative passions, your own multi-passionate, curious existence. And, and with the, the rebrand, I, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Multi-Passionate Artists. And for links and a transcript, visit dianevoy.com slash 075. Thanks for listening to Multi-Passionate Artists. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your fellow artists, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To connect with me, I'm Diane Foy Arts on Instagram and in the Multi-Passionate Artists groups on Facebook and Clubhouse. Thanks again.